Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. It's day 405, and that brings us to 1 Samuel 27 as we continue through the life of David. This is, it's one of the saddest chapters in David's life. Uh, in my own opinion, this chapter and his uh, adultery with Bathsheba, which is going to come in 2 Samuel 11, are are the two darkest chapters in David's life. And so we need to ask the Lord's help so that we can see what he would have for us during these dark days of David's life. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are good to us. You love us. You are patient with us. You persist in your grace toward us. Teach us today from your word. Teach us from 1 Samuel 27. Help us to see from the life of David what you would have us to learn and how we can grow closer to Christ and more like him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, 1 Samuel 27. Then David said in his heart, Now I shall perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should escape to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will despair of seeking me any longer within the borders of Israel, and I shall escape out of his hand. So David arose and went over, he and the six hundred men who were with him, to Achish, the son of Maok, king of Gath. And David lived with Achish at Gath, he and his men, every man with his household, and David with his two wives, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail of Carmel, Nabal's widow. And when it was told Saul that David had fled to Gath, he no longer sought him. Then David said to Achish, If I have found favor in your eyes, let a place be given me in one of the country towns that I may dwell there, for why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? So that day Achish gave him Ziklag. Therefore Ziklag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day, and the number of his days that David lived in the country of the Philistines was a year and four months. Now David and his men went up and made raids against the Geshurites, the Gerzites, and the Amalekites. For these were the inhabitants of the land from of old, as far as Shur, to the land of Egypt. And David would strike the land and would leave neither man nor woman alive, but would take away the sheep, the oxen, the donkey, the camels, and the garments, and come back to Achish. When Achish asked, Where have you made a raid today? David would say, against the Negev of Judah, or against the Negev of the Jeramelites, or against the Negev of the Kenites. And David would leave neither man nor woman alive to bring news to Gath, thinking, lest they should tell about us, and say, so David has done. Such was his custom. All the while he lived in the country of the Philistines, and Achish trusted David, thinking, he has made himself an utter stench to his people Israel. Therefore, he shall always be my servant. Mm. Short chapter, but a dark chapter. Why, why does David go to the Philistines? Well, because he's being hounded by Saul. But there's an irony in that he's just had a what should have been a wonderfully encouraging and reassuring interaction with Saul in that he had a second opportunity to take Saul's life. The first time was in the cave. Now it's in the camp. He had a second opportunity to take Saul's life. He took the spear 
and the water pitcher that were by his head, and he spared Saul. And Saul cries out to him and says, um, as your life was precious that day in my sight, so may my life be precious in the sight of the Lord. My God, may he deliver me from all my tribulation. And Saul says to David, blessed be you, my son David. You will do many things and will succeed in them. And David goes on his way and Saul returns to his place. So it seems like he should be encouraged that God is protecting him. I mean, he finds the entire army asleep, 3,000 men. Nobody wakes up while he sneaks into the camp and sneaks back out of the camp. He should have been reassured of God's protection of him, of God's blessing upon him. Saul even pronounces the blessing upon David. And yet David's conclusion is, Now I shall perish one day by the hand of Saul. On a human level, that made perfect sense. But for someone who was a man after God's own heart, for someone who knew the promises and purposes of God, that made no sense whatsoever. You see, we should not make despairing proclamations about our own future because we don't know what the future holds, but we know that God is good and he is in control and he will do what is good for us and for his own glory. So we should never be in a situation of despair where we say, I'm never going to get out of this, or I'm always going to be feeling this way, or there's no hope for me in this way or that way. We should avoid that kind of thinking and that kind of speaking because it's not coming from faith. And the Bible says that whatever is not of faith is sin. And so David sins because he's not acting out of faith. And he goes back to Achish, king of Gath. Now, David had gone to Achish, king of Gath, before. And he had realized what a mistake he made by going to Achish, king of Gath. And he pretended to be a madman. And God, and God delivered him. And Achish sent him away. And he wrote Psalm 34 out of that. A wonderful psalm. But now he goes back. And this time he's not going to wise up. And he's not going to change his mind. He's not going to walk away. This is a, a very insightful pattern into human nature. You see, the first time we're tempted to do something that we know is wrong, we may move in that direction. We may start to do it. But we know it's wrong, and so we may come to our senses and we may say, what am I doing? This is wrong. I need to get out of here. But then the second time we decide to do what we know is wrong, it probably won't be so easy to escape. We will likely be led into the sin that we turned away from the time before. And so the safest course is that as soon as we are tempted to sin, we should cry out to God and trust the Lord and go as hard as we can in the opposite direction. So David comes to Achish and he says, If I found favor in your eyes, let a place be given to me in one of the country towns that I may dwell there. And what does David do? He's given this town of Ziklag, and from Ziklag, he makes raids against, you know, some of the enemies of God's people who have been harassing the Judahites for generations. The Geshurites, the Gerzites, and the Amalekites. These were people in the southern part of uh, Judah. They were, they were toward, the, um, toward the Egyptian border. And so uh, it is 
Um, it makes sense. These are mostly nomadic peoples. They're mostly living in the remote desert areas that are south of Judah toward, toward Egypt. People aren't in regular contact with them. They're, they're, you know, and they have been a trouble to God's people. They have been harassing God's people. But David makes the decision that to raid them. And he doesn't want Achish to know that this is what he's doing. Because potentially, you know, David could be provoking a war between these people and the Philistines. And Achish is already dealing, the Philistines are already dealing with a war against Judah and Israel. They don't really want to be dealing with a war to the south as well. They're already dealing with a war to the east and the north. They don't want to be dealing with a war to the south as well. And so David does two things. He lies about where he's been, and he makes Achish believe that he's making raids against the people of Judah, against the people of God. And then, to cover up that lie, he kills every man and woman in every village when he raids them. Now, this is clearly sinful because God has not ordered him to do this. God alone has the right to say, if this tribe or that tribe or this people or that people have sinned so much that it's time for them to be gone. And God doesn't do that anymore, by the way. He hasn't done that since Old Testament times. But God alone at this time in, in history had the right to do that because God alone is the Lord of the living and the dead and the one who gives life and the one who takes life and the one who decrees what should be. He's just and holy and perfect in all of his ways and he alone has the right to do that. David is acting out of self-interest. He's acting out of uh, political calculation. He's acting out of, a, of an intent to deceive. And so it is wrong. There's no excuse for it. It is wrong, wrong, wrong. But David has gotten himself here into a place where he's now, we would put it in modern terms, committing genocide, wiping out entire villages of people, really targeting these people for their ethnic background and wiping them out. He is engaged in this horrible, horrible sin. Why? Again, we have to go back to the root cause. Because he did not trust the Lord to protect him. He gave up hope and he surrendered his heart to despair. We must not do that. When we give up trusting in the Lord to protect us, when we surrender hope and we give over to despair, then we are vulnerable to do great evil, to do things that we're justifying in our mind because we feel like we're in such danger. We need to avoid that. Any voices that are in our lives that are pushing us to not trust in the Lord or to give in to despair or to surrender hope or to think in a doomsday way about our future, we need to shut off those voices from our lives and we need to listen to the Lord and trust the Lord and follow the Lord. The Lord Jesus is our better example here as well as our Redeemer. The Lord Jesus had every reason to despair. Every political group in Israel was aligned against him. Political enemies made alliances for the single purpose of wiping out Jesus. He had every human reason to be in despair. But he trusted his father. And because he trusted his father, he overcame sin and death. And because he overcame sin and death, and he is alive forevermore and sits at the right hand of God the Father and ever lives to make intercession for us, and because he is coming again to take us to himself, we never need to surrender to despair because despair is never the final word for any believer. 
because of Jesus. Because Jesus did not despair, we never need to despair. Let's pray. Father, guard our hearts from the poison of despair. Rekindle in us a newness of hope, our hope of the resurrection, our hope of redemption in Christ, the hope that anchors our soul from the tumult and turmoil of this world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, tomorrow we'll be going right on to chapter 28 of 1 Samuel. Hope you can join us for that. And of course, as always, have a blessed day in the Lord.